Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, November 5th, 2021. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's Jennifer McHugh. Hey, Jen, how are you? I'm doing okay. Um, for November, it is 86 here in sunny Los Angeles, so nice. it's not really feeling like the fall yet. Yeah, it is 71 here in Orlando, but I'm three hours ahead of you, so it's 8, 10 p.m. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's been in the 80s all week, so we are not exactly the fall foliage type of folks here. Um, leaving our Midwest slash Great Lakes uh, upbringings to go to places warm and sunny. But we do love the fall. We do love Christmas time. And um, tomorrow, I believe, so Friday tonight, we are going to be recording an episode of Some Like It Pop where you and I get into all of our beloved Hallmark and Hallmark adjacent Christmas movies. And if you want to hear that, that will only be available on Patreon at patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. Um, lots of fun there. Jen, do, real quick, I don't know how much of this you've prepped for the recording, but do you have any like ones specifically that you're the most looking forward to um, from all of these different holiday movies that are coming up on Hallmark or streaming services or whatever in the next few weeks and months? Um, well, and just... You know, let's bear in mind, we're not talking about the classics. We're not talking about White Christmas. We're talking about the formulaic, we know it's going to happen and we love every second of it. So for me, um, I'm a big fan of the whole um, Vanessa Hudgens verse on Netflix, Mm -hmm. The Princess Switches. And it's because, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Vanessa Hudgens, but they're so over the top that it's it's just too entertaining to pass up so this is princess switch three coming up okay where, yeah. she, where she's where she's playing triplets yeah. but they're cousins right they're not they're sisters cousins, but she's playing cousins, three roles identical cousins yeah um <laughs> uh, i'm a bigger vanessa Hudgens fan than you are i love that one and i love all of the hallmark ones where either a man or a woman who left their hometown to go off and be a big business person comes back and gets snowed in and then discovers that they love small town life which is all of them. So um, head over to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. Also on Saturday, we will have the latest episode of Jan Simpson's All the Drama in, in which she is speaking with Martina Mayoke, the uh, Pulitzer Prize uh, winner for drama, uh, talking about her play Cost of Living. All right, we are breaking into your regularly scheduled Today on Broadway episode <laughs> because, folks, as I was getting ready to edit the episode that Jennifer McHugh and I recorded, we got, I mean, to, to call it breaking news is an understatement. To call it a, an announcement is doing it not nearly as much service as it deserves. This is a casting bombshell as it was first teased by director John M. Chu on Twitter, then by the stars themselves on Instagram, and then officially confirmed in Variety uh, that we have witches cast for the movie version of Wicked. And I had to bring in um, Jennifer is over on the West Coast. She's now eating dinner. So I pulled Grace out of her slumber so that we could talk about the I fact. I have just ordered an entire pizza for myself. Nice. What toppings? And- Oh, I did. I did a a, like a classic um, because I live in, in, you know, uh, Italian areas. And so it's it's all like an Umberto pizza where it's like kind of like a Rosatella sauce. But, you know, just some olive oil, garlic, salt, um, basil. All right. That's good because 
the <laughs> the singing actress that was cast as Glenda or Galenda, the uh, is silent, is a very Italian superstar named Ariana Grande and playing um, Elphaba, the Wicked Witch of the West of the West, right, um, will be Tony Grammy and Emmy winner Cynthia Erivo. Um Grace, we were kind of getting ahead of ourselves um, before we started recording. What are your thoughts about these two dynamic powerhouse superstars being cast in this film? I'm I'm really excited about it. It's it's funny because you know you've got both both actresses started off on stage. Um, one is a person of color, the other is like a pop starlet. Um, I. I, I don't I, I hope people aren't going to rag on this. I, I'm excited about the the possibilities because Cynthia has now transformed herself into also an on-screen phenomenon. And the fact that they've chosen two people that have proven time and time again that they can sing is is important <laughs> is a, to me. Which is a first for uh, a, a lot of big budget Hollywood movies. Right. So that's why I'm like, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some kind of Twitter storm because there always is. But can we just celebrate the fact that they picked two women that have incredible music careers? Like I, I I'm pumped about it. I'm really, really happy about this casting. Although I would have liked to have, I always say this, and this is not to age women in that that's a negative thing. But like, I think that we always like these two girls are supposed to be in college. Are they young. though? Here, here's the thing. Yes. No, let me, let me say this <laughs> in, in, in Oz, who's to say what college age is, though? So maybe they go to college in their mid to late 20s. But True. also, but also you have to remember, though, that there is a progression of time in Wicked. So it's not like it goes from shiz to, you know, first day of shiz to defying gravity a week later to her and Fiera running away um, and then the whole fake melting in like the course of a month. So there is a progression of time that is never really delineated in the stage show and it might be in the book, but I haven't read the book. So maybe it could be years. So it's, you know, a little bit of casting older than the beginning, but appropriate at the end. And, you know, but I, mm -hmm. but I agree. I don't think the ages matter all that, um, all that much. Um, let's real quick, because we know that basically everybody who is anybody auditioned for both of these roles. So many rumors about, you know, Dove Cameron being cast as Glenda. Devin Ari, we really thought that was going to be yeah. the match made in heaven. Um, but Explain Ari who? Oh, uh, sorry, Ariana DeBose. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ariana DeBose. Um, we thought that I did not actually think it was be her. I heard Emmy Raver Lampman um, was very close to being cast along with Dove Cameron. So um, neither of those up and coming, you know, folks coming from the theater were cast as Alphaba. Instead, they got a bona fide superstar who has already kind of transcended her theatrical roots. And I want to talk a little bit about the vocal ranges. Obviously, I don't think there is anybody questioning whether Cynthia Erivo can sing Alphaba. I do think that there will be some people questioning whether or not Ariana Grande is the right person vocally for Glenda. And I say that because... Yes, she has the like the Mariah Carey seven octave range. Everyone knows about mm -hmm. that. She's got the whistle tones. But when I think of Ari, like I think of this, you know, powerful belty voice. Um, and 
a lot of the most famous uh, Glendas are Sopranos, Kristen Chenoweth, uh, you know, obviously, especially. But as we were talking before, like, I imagine that the more Soprano-y stuff is going to get cut from the film anyway, not because it's Soprano stuff, just because of where it falls in the film. So you are much more of a singer than I am. Yeah. Where do you think, thank you for confirming that, that you're much more of a singer than I am. <laughs> no offense. Uh, yeah. Um, you don't know my life. Um, so tell me how you think Ari's vocal quality and range and style overlaps with what we assume will be left in the score for the film version um, of Wicked for Galinda. Uh, I think that they're going to have to do a lot of adjusting and that's no shade to her. It's it's just that that's not where her uh, vocal tone normally sits. Like, you know, most of the time, a lot of these actresses have had some type of operatic training um, that, that play, you know, Glinda. And um, there's just so much that's like lifted up in that head voice that I always hear Ari switch, um, you know, into kind of like those whistle tones and stuff and like a very airy, gaspy like. And she did the same thing in the, in the Wicked concert, you know. Um, mm-hmm. She kind of gave you that like <sighs> you know, breathy um, any, anytime she was doing those high notes, which is like fine and cool for pop. Um, so I, I think if that's the angle they're going to take, it's just that what's interesting is that these two actresses totally clash in 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 their styles. Typically, I don't want to say that they don't have the capabilities to have a different you, range for this, but like you, you're Cynthia's, talking about. You think it's Cynthia and Ari? Cynthia's tones is so is, are so much darker, which is great for Elphaba and stuff. Um, but Ari's is so pop now that even when she was, and again, I'll just reference it again, when she was doing the performance at the Wicked concert, I expected her to kind of tone back and go into that more classical musical theater sound, and she didn't. She stayed like in her lane that she's now fully comfortable and making a bajillion dollars at, um, yeah. which is cool. Uh, but at the same time, like I wonder how those two are going to match on duets. I wonder if, you know, she's going to take on different training that kind of puts her back in that style. I mean, again, it's been a million years since she did 13 and that was like very short lived. Um, but she loves musical theater and she has the range and, and I'm, I'm very hopeful for this. I know that what we, it's not what we kind of like kept expecting or wanted, but, um, I think that this will sell tickets and and it will not be disappointing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that we have to balance both. Like, let's be very realistic, guys. We cannot just be like, well, I expected the Broadway cast to do it. Like, no, that's never going to happen. Jessica (laughs) Vosk and and Kara Lindsay were never going to be Johnson even like fantastic. But um, no, it's it's not going to it's not going to go down like that. No. And that's what I love about this casting. And honestly, what I love about in the Heights as well, uh, another movie directed by John M. Chu, he went with less known people, but people who could obviously do the vocal work and the acting and the dancing that he needed for In the Heights. Here, he's going with, especially in the case of Ari, like huge superstars. Cynthia Revo is not nearly the superstar that she is, but she's a, a, na- a known Hollywood name at this point. And I- I'm glad that it wasn't like, let's get all of these, you know, A-listers who can kind of sing to do this stuff. And he might fill in the rest of the cast with folks like, you know, Meryl and... Aaron Tveit. Aaron Tveit. Well, no. <laughs> Playing Aaron, forever 19 years old. No, he's not doing Fira. Derek Klenna. Yeah. Uh, no, but those guys can sing. But I mean, you know, I'm just glad that they got stars who could also sing. But that does raise the question. Now that we know... This? Well, now that we know who Glenda and Alphaba are... Who do you want to see as Fiero? Oh, uh, 
Gosh. Wow. 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 Um, you know what? I'm going to say something kind of kookaluka. Well, no, no. I, I, I want them because they've now picked two stars that have had uh, some time in the sun. Um, I think that they should and probably will go with someone like Jordan Fisher um, that has also transcended um, theater and TV and film uh, in, a, in a musical theater sense or an Anthony Ramos. It's kind of at that like top echelon of the next like guy uh you know doing those things because if they pick someone like a young cheyenne jackson i'm just like i'm bored you know (laughs) i don't know i mean he's fantastic beautiful voice uh but i um i'm not sure i mean do you have thoughts on this i haven't even i haven't even touched it because all i care about is bach and (laughs) i'm just not we're not there yet obviously i'll ask Um, because i was gonna ask I know, I know. It should be me. Let's be frank. Um, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, no, 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 no. I think I want to know your thoughts. I have heard rumblings of this. And so this is not an original idea. I don't know if he was actually interested. But around the times that I heard that Emmy Raver Lampman was heavily in consideration, I also heard, and please forgive me if I screw up the pronunciation of his name, but um, Regé Jean Page um oh i could see it can he sing apparently he can i have a video up of him now on access hollywood from october singing um for the audio adaptation of of neil gaiman's the sandman which is on like audible or something so he our friend mason alexander park is on it i'm just saying no mason is in the the tv show yeah this is the audio adaptation um it's actually a sequel i think but either way it doesn't matter um but apparently he can sing so like i think someone like him who is certainly an up-and-comer um and but is a name enough to get people interested um i think that would that would certainly work and i think he fits in the age range of cynthia arrivo and ariana grande although i think ari reads much younger than she probably actually is in irl age Um, i believe she is like 28 ish like my age and then um cynthia is 34 yeah and um reggie jean page is 33 so that all kind of fits um, can, I, can I throw one out that I just thought of? Please. Can can we consider Taryn Edgerton? Can we just can we just consider for, that for Bach? No, no, never. Um, for Fierro, uh, I think that he would be so good, and he has obviously proven that he can sing. He is in the film Sing, uh, and and Elton John. Uh, yes. But I, I'm just saying, like. Maybe it's because I'm obsessed with them. Let's table that. Let's just table that. Maybe I shouldn't be a casting director. This is the point. Maybe. But yeah, I mean, that's an interesting thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I will be interested to see what directions they go. I would not be surprised if we see a Kristen Chenoweth as a Madame Morrible. I would not be surprised if we see maybe. Mm-hmm. No, you don't think so? No, I think it's going to be Emma Thompson. Emma I think Thompson. it's I think, you know, because because of, of the whole the Matilda of it all. Uh, isn't she doing Matilda? Yeah. So you think she's doing both? No, yeah. I, I could see them just really trying to, like, hammer that in. Like, I, like, oh, she's the one. She's the Meryl of this right now. What if what if they went in that direction, but with a woman of color? What if they went with, um, I don't know, a... a, a like Laverne Cox? Per, perhaps that wouldn't be. Or what about Laverne? Yeah, no, yeah that's not bad. Or um, what about Viola Davis? Oh, that would be hot. 
Yeah, I'm down for that. I kind of like that. Then you got the wizard. Who, any Ma Rainey on? is Madame Morrible. <laughs> that can be what we call the or, show today. Or, or Madame Morrible's Black Bottom. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that one's probably getting cut. But yeah. uh, what do you? What, any thoughts on a wizard? Oh, just uh, can it not? Okay, here's the thing. When I saw Wicked on Broadway when I was 13 years old, uh, Ben Vereen was the wizard. So not him, please. Um, so I don't know, but not him. Yeah, not him. Yeah. And the other thing about it, too, is that we always forget about Nessa Rose, um, mm. who has to star opposite Bach. Um, I would really <laughs> and I here's the thing, guys, I, I hope it's not going to happen. So I, I fully recognize that this isn't going to happen. But, you know, there have been so many opportunities for the fact that this could be played by a person who doesn't have the accessibility to physically uh, walk around. Mm. Um, so like someone that uses a wheelchair, wouldn't that be Al, nice? Um, Tony Winner but, who uses a wheelchair? Allie Stoker, I'm just saying. But the thing is, is that like they in the show, she magically walks. And I think it's such a disservice to people that have a disability. Um, I, I, would I would rather them alter that for the film since they're not going to do it on the stage and and change that uh, i don't that. know i don't know why yes. but isn't that the whole point of why those shoes are important though that's that's a plot point that i think is super super important to both wicked yeah, and to I the agree. wizard of oz they can figure it out they have awards <laughs> they have awards. i'm just saying don't <laughs> no, don't, don't, don't do Schwar that to people <laughs> stephen schwartz does not have awards is the thing that's the whole point mm -hmm. of uh of wicked losing yeah. please listen to snapshots um a new musical by stephen schwartz just saying presented by broadway records here i am <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, Grace, I'm now going to have to edit heavily uh, today on Broadway to make it not right. super long, but we could not do, we could not wait until Monday's episode no. to talk about this. So thank you so much. Hopefully, is your pizza there yet? Oh, it's absolutely here. It's staring at me and I can't oh my wait God. to get it. Take a bite for me. Um, I haven't had pizza since January, so uh, wow. Uh, we'll talk about it when I get there. Um oh. So, um, everybody, I'm going to now return you to a much less um, breaking news version of Today on Broadway with Jennifer McHugh and me. Um, and I will talk to you on the flippity flip. On the flippity flop. But all right, Jen, let's talk real quick about our sponsor for this week, Today Ticks. As everybody knows, I am going on my two-week trip to New York. I could not have gotten all of the shows that I wanted to see if it wasn't for Today Ticks. They have amazing prices, great availability. They also have fantastic rush opportunities in shows that I wouldn't even have known existed if it wasn't for Today Ticks. Yes, I have this app. It's a one-stop shop for theater tickets. It's usually the best value, especially in New York, um, but it's also in cities all over the country. And if you download the app or you visit the website, you can find a show that you want to see. And it's really easy. When I wanted to see Come From Away a few years ago, um, I used it to get tickets and the seats were incredible. And I got to go on flight attendant night and anyone who knows that show knows that it was a party atmosphere and I was sitting right amongst hundreds of flight attendants who were standing and cheering and crying. And I wouldn't have had those tickets if it weren't for Today Ticks. So I use it in Los Angeles, but it's also for Broadway. You can even use it in London's West End, uh, Chicago, DC, San Francisco, Sydney, you name it. 
That's amazing story. So you can book your tickets months in advance. I didn't necessarily do months, but I did weeks in advance. And I do have tickets for a show through Today Ticks in February. Or you can, you know, if you're feeling a little spontaneous, book them the day of. You can find great day of discounts if you do it that way. But they've also got exclusive pre-sales, which is how I got my tickets to Black No More in February. They've got limited time offers. Their digital lottery programs and rushes are amazing. So you have to have the Today Takes app. So see that show you've always wanted to see or discover something new that you'll love just as much with Today Ticks. Go to todaytix.com slash Broadway Radio and then use promo code Broadway Radio to get $10 off your first Today Ticks purchase. That's promo code Broadway Radio at todaytix.com slash Broadway Radio for $10 off your first ticket purchase. todaytix.com slash Broadway Radio. All right, Jen, let's get into the news and let's start with some great news that actually happened just after Grace and Ashley recorded yesterday's episode. In fact, Ashley was at the performance on Wednesday night of Dana H where this was announced, but just nine days after the limited runs of the aforementioned Dana H and This Is A Room had announced that they would be closing early on November 14th and then causing me to have to reschedule both my tickets to see those shows. Producers told the audience after Wednesday's performance that they would in fact now be open until November 28th at the Lyceum Theater. That'll be through the Thanksgiving holiday due to a recent surge in ticket sales. Now, Jen, it's not the originally planned January 16th closing date, but it is obviously good news that so many people wanted to see these shows before the new closing date and that there will now be two extra weeks for people to be able to see them. And of course, I'll be seeing them both next week. But I'm hoping that like this limited availability of tickets, thanks to the shortened runs, um, builds up demand so much that the producers are actually able to extend even more, perhaps even back um, into January. I, I know there was some confusion on the way that they announced it. Ashley actually originally thought they were moving back to the originally January closing date, but um, officially it is just currently to November 28th um, with some fingers and other digits crossed for more extensions. Now, Jen, I know that you are more of a musical theater person, both as a fan and as a director, as a writer, you're more of a play person, but these shows are so unique. I I know you're not going to get to New York before they close, but I hope that you have a chance to get to see them somewhere someday. I hope so too. I mean, this isn't nothing. This is, I don't even know if I've ever heard of this before where it's announced a closing date and they're like, well, we're actually going to go for two more weeks. But um, if it builds enough up enough buzz, I'm sure that we'll get, we'll get some of this stuff in the regional theaters out here. I know La Mirada likes to put on productions like this. So I'm not opposed to straight plays, especially when they're short and one act. But um, you, you and Ashley and Grace have talked so much about these two. I feel like I have to at this point. Yeah, it, there it's very rare when shows like this happens. I, I Daryl Roth did it with some show. Oh, it was indecent. I think it was indecent where they announced closing and then they reversed course and canceled closing. Um, but it doesn't happen often. But this is great news. And, and I think this has a lot to do with what we talked about at the closing time is that it's just a bad time for anything well, just a bad time for anything on stage uh, because there aren't any tourists in New York or not nearly as many and people are really hesitant to go out or to buy tickets in advance. But especially when it's something as, as experimental as this, it's just like, 
your audience is already so small and then you're taking away people from out of town that might be willing to do it, giving them the incentive to try to get in in the next few weeks certainly seems to have done both of those shows some good and hopefully that will continue to happen. Yeah, and that's just an LA vibe with the experimental kind of theater, you know, like our 99 theaters out here, this is what um, the LA theater crowd lives for. Mm -hmm. So I hope it gets a second life out here. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about um, a show that is not necessarily experimental, a a fairly uh, familiar and familial setup um, from one of New York City's um, most prestigious nonprofits. And let's talk about the new play Morning Sun that Manhattan Theatre Club opened off Broadway on Wednesday night. The show is written by Tony Award winner Simon Stevens and directed by Drama Desk winner Lila Neugebauer and uh, is currently running at New York City Center. The show has a veritable who's who of female stars in this three person show Tony winner Blair Brown. Uh, Emmy winner Edie Falco and the completely underrepresented in terms of awards wins Marin Ireland. The show follows 50 years and three generation of women and how they relive and retell the stories of the other women in their families. Let's start off with Jesse Green's review from the New York Times. And he said, quote, that these three not-so-tall women are played by three excellent stage actors ensures that their cries come into clear focus. Abuse, affairs, alcoholism, and abortion each get a believable turn in Lila Neugebauer's staging for Manhattan Theatre Club. Yet, for all the enjoyably detailed work, the play remains stubbornly tiny, as if Stevens, aiming small, overshot. Certainly, the effort to valorize unglamorous lives is worthy. The problem comes from trying to dramatize uneventful ones. It can be done, consider waiting for a Godot, a play about nothing happening, but Morning Sun highlights neither the existential angst of of a meaningless world, nor the interpersonal conflicts that make so many fictional homes feel dangerous. So, praise the actors, Eh, not so much praise for the show. Uh, Marilyn Stasio, writing for Variety, said, quote, Falco has some emotionally searing moments that left me weak in the knees with admiration for both the writing and the performance. It's a pity, maybe even a tragedy, that neither the playwright nor his director could sustain that emotional level, level throughout this drama about a woman so unexceptional that she doesn't even rate a name in the cast credits. And finally, Melissa Rose Bernardo, writing for New York Stage Review, said, quote, It's a tricky business replaying your life story or your mom's or your grandma's, and it takes a good five minutes or so for Morning Sun to find its rhythm. But once it does, it feels like flipping through a terrifically detailed and colorfully narrated photo album. Stevens is a first-rate storyteller, and Falco, Brown, and Ireland are all, as expected, wonderful. They really do have a family-style connection. Lila Neugebauer, who knows how to handle a delicate familial story, directs. So, Jen, I think this is we've seen so many of these white family dramas at not-for-profit theater companies like Manhattan Theater Club um, over the years. It seems like this is like one of them. Great acting um, will hit some people uh, really well. And for other people, it seems like it might be a little bit of a miss. It's really funny that that first review said these three not-so-tall women because... 
not having any knowledge of this play as you were describing it, I was like, is this three tall women? Yeah. Um, I saw, I had, I saw the 1994 original Broadway cast in college and I hated it because I hate Edward Alba, Albie, but, um, I was, you know, 20 years old. I wanted to see rent. So I, 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 you gotta forgive me a little bit, but, um, family dramas are tricky because it's so personal to the playwright usually and that doesn't always translate so i guess it is what it is yeah absolutely and of course the 2018 revival of three tall women is seared into a lot of people's minds mine included with glenda jackson laurie metcalf and allison pill um i wish you could have seen that because i feel like you probably would have had a different uh, appreciation for that but that's another um well no spoilers, but another show with similar uh, DNA, no pun intended, um, as Morning Sun. Now, I know you've done a lot of directing in the past. Have you, Are you familiar with the sandwich method? No. Okay. The sandwich method is in all of those coaching and teaching books that I read when I was starting my, uh, my career doing those things. And it's about when you're going to give a criticism, you sandwich it with two compliments. So I'm going to try that a little bit or some form of that with some show news, starting with a positive. So... Off-Broadway Signature Theater announced this week that they would be extending Anna DeVere Smith's Twilight Los Angeles 1992 for an extra week. The show will now run through November 21st and features the expanded five-person cast that Grace and I spoke about earlier in the week. And, as Seth Christianfeld reminded me, the Anna DeVere Smith residency show at Signature that was just cast with a single black man just before the pandemic was not Twilight, but Fires in the Mirror that Michael Benjamin Washington did. And this is why I am much better working from a script than my frail and rapidly failing memory. Up next, the negative meat of our news sandwich, as it has been announced that the off-Broadway production of Douglas Carter Bean's star-studded new comedy Inverse Fairy Cakes will close earlier than originally planned. It will now run through November 21st, like Twilight Los Angeles 1992. The show, featuring Mo Rocca, Crystalline Lloyd, Jackie Hoffman, Anne Harada, Julie Halston, and more, is playing for the next few weeks downtown at the Greenwich House Theater. And now the final piece of the positive bread, the public announced a one-week extension to the new musical by Tom Kitt, Brian Yorkie, and Kwame Kwai Arma, The Visitor. Jen, I think we talked about The Visitor last time you were here, right? We did. Yeah. So that show, again, stars David Hyde Pierce, Alicia Deslero, and Ahmad Maksud, and it will now play through December 5th. All right, Jen, on Thursday night and hopefully streaming afterwards, because you're not going to hear this before it's over, depending on what coast you're on, um, on ABC, uh, Emmy winner Darren Chris is hosting ABC's Queen Family Sing Along as people are rocking out to the songs of Queen. Of course, there will be former Fierro in uh, Wicked Los Angeles understudy Adam Lambert will be there, as will Derek Huff. Miss Piggy, um, Jojo Siwa, and more will be there. But the casts of Aladdin and The Lion King on Broadway will also be uh, a part of it. They will be singing Don't Stop Me Now. And we have a video of that in the show notes if you want to check that out. Um, We are currently recording while that is airing here on the East Coast. And my DVR is recording it. Jen, you seem like you would be a big, big Queen fan. Is that is that right? I am a big Queen fan. And uh I'm a big fan of Adam Lambert Same. Stepping, in, stepping in. I don't know if there's anyone on the planet that could have stepped into that role. And uh, it seemed like he was born to. 
Yeah, I remember watching Adam Lambert on American Auto. He was by far my favorite American Auto contestant of all time. And I think he his talent and what he's done, even though he hasn't become like a, the huge star of a Kelly Clarkson or Carrie Underwood um, size, he is fantastic. And I, I love it anytime I get to hear him sing. But that is all that we have. Thank you so much for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWD Matt. Jen, where can people find you? You can find me at Eponine Q on Twitter. And you can also find me my uh, articles on Collider.com. There you go. I asked you if you wanted to be Collider's uh, <laughs> Jennifer McHugh. And you said no, but all right. Well, I'm just freelancing, but you know, it's a start. Yeah. Uh, great stuff over at Collider from Jen. You should definitely check out all of that and see her articles when she posts them on Twitter if she remembers to do it because I don't think you do all of them and then it's like a big rush at one point isn't it um I usually retweet their tweet but they don't tweet everything so I should be better at it yeah yeah you should um all right everybody have a wonderful weekend I will probably have some other interviews coming up uh, in the podcast feed at some point here soon in the next few days as I head out and as I'm in New York so stay tuned for all of those I've had some great conversations that I'm excited for you to hear. All right, have a great weekend and we will talk to you soon.